And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. The Athletic. The only way to score is, of course, to play uh, with a hand break off. Hello, I'm Ian Stone. This is Handbreak Off, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by The Athletic. It's International Break Week. Oh. So, <laughs> while we hope and pray that our boys get back uninjured and ready to go again. In the meantime, we thought we'd see what's going on with our loanees. We'll also talk Arsenal Women's Champions League first leg defeat somehow. Uh, against uh, Bayern Munich. And with the announcement of Mesut Ozil's retirement from football, we'll talk about his Arsenal career. I'm joined by Art de Roche and Adrian Clark. Morning. Hello, morning. Good morning. Morning. Uh, as we are talking, Arsenal players are out on loan at the Mo. We were wondering who's the ultimate loan player we've had. <laughs> it ain't easy, this, by the way. Uh, Adrian, you said you're having trouble with this oh, one. Slim pickings, isn't it? Yeah, um, it is a little bit. Yeah, Erdegaard. On reflection, was a great loan, but during the loan itself, it was a little bit hit and miss. And Henri's famous loan spell is is looked back on really fondly, but it wasn't outstanding all of the time. I genuinely think most of the loan players we've had in have have not really delivered, and I guess that's that's where we should be. Where we're at at a club really is that you shouldn't be needing to loan players if you're Arsenal Football Club. That That's kind of where I stand. If if everything is right, if everything is run properly and you've built, you've put a squad together ahead of a season, it should be robust and good enough to last that season just, just by, you know, topped up with permanent signings. We should never really have to dip into the market for loans. That's, that's my kind of view of where we're at as a club. So, yeah... Lots of failures. Is <laughs> what you're saying, yeah. essentially. Yeah, yeah, I see that. Um, uh, go on, Inar. Have you got one? Have you picked one out, um, or do you feel the same way? I mean, I I do agree with the basic point that you yeah. know what the squad should be the squad. But and there is something a bit weird about a lone player. But are any that stand out? I'm kind of in the same boat as Adrian. But if I was to pick one. I guess just because he scored four at Anfield, I might go for <laughs> Julio Baptista. Benedio fancies his chances against Paletta. And Baptista's coming in again. He's got another tap in. And Arsenal have scored six at Anfield and he's got four of them. Julio Baptista. Outside of him, it's really difficult, I feel, because even his loan wasn't amazing by any stretch of the imagination. He just had a really good, I guess, moment. That was a great game, by the way, wasn't it? <laughs> So, yeah, I think I'll go for him. But, yeah, as Adrian said, said very slim pickings. Yeah, full house, to be honest with you, because I couldn't find anyone that I really <laughs> want to talk about. Julio Baptista would be the one. And, I mean, I, I guess you have to count Thierry Henry coming back just for Lee to home, right? I mean, that was when he was on loan. Well, Sunderland away when he scored the winning mm-hmm. goal in the last minute and then Leeds at home when we all witnessed something ridiculous. Henry, chance,
He may be cast in bronze, but he's still capable of producing truly golden moments. That would be it for me, really. But yeah, loans. Well, uh, listen, at some point, maybe we'll bring someone in. They'll do something spectacular. Kim Kallstrom scored a winning goal in the penalty shootout, didn't he, as well? Uh, once he recovered from his... his <laughs> we loaned someone. I mean, most I'm, of the players we loaned that. during that period never played because they were either just not on good form or injured, didn't they? It was, it was a series of disasters. We are going to talk about uh, the loans, the boys out on loan, as Abby, our producers, call it, the Lonely Boys, L-O-A-N. Dash L-Y. Very nice. It's award-winning, that Stoney, isn't it? That is, if anything, is going to bring home the bacon. That is it, isn't it, really? That's the thing that tipped the judges, really. Uh, A weak pun. Um, (laughs) Anyway, the players who are out on loan, how are they getting on? Uh, Adrian and Art are going to guide us through some of the players. Adrian, let's start with Ainsley Maitland-Niles. I mean... My feeling about Ainsley, I, I loved his penalty against Liverpool in wherever it was. There was a penalty he took. It was so cool. He didn't quite measure up, did he? Um, he's out on loan at Southampton at the moment, not playing that much, just under a 1,000 minutes. They've changed manager. Difficult for him to make a mark. What do you think? It's not gone great, if I'm honest, for, for Ainsley. Um, he's had... I think nine starts, six sub appearances, um, and three managers. You know, so <laughs> yeah. it's it's difficult to shine in those kind of circumstances. But I think you've got to look at why he's not starting games. And the truth is, with Ainsley, and this was the case or is the case when he's with us, is that he's never been better than the first choice in any position. And and unfortunately, it's the same really, at Southampton, where no doubt he wants to play central midfield. But they've got James Ward-Prowse and they've got a young kid they signed from Man City called Romeo Lavia. And they're both considerably better, in my opinion, central midfielders. At right-back, they've got Carl Walker-Peters, who is, in my opinion, a better right-back than Ainsley. Maitland-Niles. So I don't think it was a great loan move at the outset. I think he should maybe have looked at that before making the move because they're kind of the strongest positions that Southampton have. And um, yeah, and with Ainsley, I've always been a little bit conflicted. I, ju- I just feel that it was a real mistake on his part to push and push and push to be a central midfielder because I haven't seen a body of evidence that suggests that he's good enough to, to shine in the Premier League as a central midfielder. I think he's a better fullback. Um and, and that is what he should have stuck to, in my opinion. So, no, it's not going that well. He played well at Chelsea. He made a brilliant goal line clearance in that win at Stamford Bridge. I watched him at the weekend come off the bench and play centre-half against Spurs. Did OK for most of the game. And then, bang, Carry Kane sneaks around his back, scores a header. It's poor marking. So, yeah, for, for me, he's a, he's a talent. Always has been. Gifted. The mentality, the concentration in my opinion, just, just lets him down a little bit, Ainsley Maitland-Niles. So yeah. you, can't, you can't say this has been a success. It hasn't. He won the penalty, didn't he? He won the, uh, the penalty that, yep. uh, that, that uh, resulted in Antonio Conte's <laughs> post-game yeah, For that, rant. we thank him. Yeah. I mean, we do thank him for that. He's given us Do we, though? But do we, though? Because, because I want Conte to stay. 
Oh, well, that's a, that's a separate. You know what? I understand the point you're making, but I think it gave us a lot of fun. Um, Art, he's, I mean, he obviously backs himself. I saw him play. He was playing central midfield for West Brom for a while, and he was looking pretty good there in a, in a struggling team. But he actually looked like a player with talent. But he's always he has always backed himself. But is it almost? Does the game almost come too easily to him to, to a certain extent? Yeah, it's really interesting because when you watch him play, he's someone who, almost like Meza Erzo, who we'll talk about later, is just got a very laid-back style. And if you're someone who hasn't watched him regularly and you just are thrown into a game and say, watch this guy, you think, well, what is he doing? Because <laughs> he is so laid-back. But I think if you're... If you look at Maitland-Niles, I think he's looked best at Arsenal under Mikel Arteta when he has, I guess... The, the freedom to go into pockets where he can be a bit more laid back in his approach. So when he was used as more as an inverted fullback and you're just seeing him look natural and things seem to come to him at ease. Um, and obviously that's not going to be the case in midfield where things are a bit more stressful <laughs> for players. Um, and I think, yeah, it's just a bit unfortunate that had maybe a few different decisions being made, I think he could have fit like a glove in terms of the way Arsenal play now with their fullbacks. And yeah, it's kind of like those sliding doors moments. You hope that they go different ways, but um, obviously Ben White's playing unbelievably at the minute and what happens with Maitland-Niles, I, I don't know. But yeah, on Adrian's point on, I guess, going to Southampton, at the time it kind of made sense in my head just because I don't know if you remember a couple of seasons ago when he was looking to go out on loan and eventually went to West Brom. Southampton were one of the kind of key clubs looking into him, as along with Leicester. But again, that was under Ralph Hasenhut, who shortly after he came left. So, yeah, it's kind of difficult circumstances, I think, on, on all sides. Yeah. By the way, uh, Jakob Kivio has taken his squad number. So um, we think that maybe he's not going to be there uh, next season. But um, I mean, yeah, on that, on, yeah, just on that, Stoney. I mean, it's, you do wonder what the future holds for, for Ainsley because he, he was an England international. A lot of clubs were, were wanted him and they were willing to pay upwards of 20 million, weren't they, for him? I think Wolves at one point were really keen. You yeah. do think if he's not playing regularly at Southampton who obviously are bottom of the Premier League, then what is the next step for him? I don't. It, I, th- I think he might even have to drop into the Championship if he was to get a permanent move. We'll have to wait and see. He, it's a shame. He's, he's got real talent, but maybe that versatility has, has counted against him in a way. Well, yeah, that is uh, one of the big questions with him. Let's talk about Albert Sambi Lekonga. Um, moved to Crystal Palace. Um, been playing very, very well. Art, oh, the whole... Thing everyone said, out oh, the thing with Sambi is he's going to play under one of the greatest midfielders ever to play for our club, uh, which and that isn't Roy Hodgson, <laughs> as, as we well know. I can't imagine he can even get up and down anymore, Roy. But he was developing very nicely uh, at Crystal Palace. So, how's he done this season, and what's going to happen now? 
To be fair to Roy, I think if you remember when he was at Watford, there was a little training video where he actually put through a nice through ball in training. I'm not as good a kick with the ball as I, I thought I once was it's after an ankle injury, but this must have been an aberration. It must have been one. I'm, I'm feeding balls in for the players to play. That's what I'm doing. I'm not joining in. But in terms of Lukonga, <laughs> yeah, it was really interesting because um, when Patrick Vieira did, was let go, he was one of the players who, I'm not sure if you guys saw it, but on his Instagram, he basically said, thank you for bringing my smile back to Vieira. Yeah. And I think that was the main thing with Lukonga over the past maybe 12 months before he went on loan at Arsenal. We saw in the first six months that he was able to be progressive with the ball and play with personality. And that just wasn't evident after the first six months. So it was quite good to see, I guess, that side of his game come back at Crystal Palace where the fans took to him straight away and he was even performing well against Liverpool was one of the players taking the game towards Liverpool and I think uh, obviously it was unfortunate for Palace maybe not for Arsenal that he couldn't play on the weekend um, but yeah I'll be interested just to see if he has any different demands put on him from Roy Hodgson um, we know Roy Hodgson's more likely to go with uh, traditional midfield, 4-4-2. And I don't know, maybe that could almost benefit Lukonga in a way because he'll be asked to do a few more jobs um, and actually become maybe a more rounded midfielder. Who knows? Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, as, as far as his loan's gone, it's been a good opening few weeks because it's still very early. And I guess the one thing as well is Palace aren't really in a bad position. So um, they obviously have work to do, but I think they should be safe and hopefully he can be someone who kind of leads that. Adrian, I like watching Lukonga. I mean, I always did. As soon as he came to the club, I liked the way he moves. But once in a while he got caught out. There was one game where he came in instead of um, Thomas Partey, I think, and he just, you saw the lack of, defensive nows. Maybe Roy will help him uh, with stuff like that. And as Art said, make him a more rounded midfielder. Yeah, hopefully. Yeah, that's the aim, isn't it? When you go on loan, you get different experiences and it makes you a better player. I'm with you. I, yeah, on the ball, I've always liked him. You know, he's got good balance. He's a, he's a good passer. But yeah, he, he, he can allow himself to get rushed. Maybe he takes that too many touches sometimes and an opponent smell blood and they... And they they turned the ball over from him. So yes. that's been part of the problem. I agree with that. I think he's he's having a solid seven out of 10. It's been a good start to the loan spell. Stats wise, I mean, he's he's been Palace's best passer. Obviously, that wouldn't surprise many people. I think his pass accuracy is like 88% or something. It's what you'd expect it to be. But he's also won a lot of tackles. He's been quite aggressive. I think he's averaging around about two tackles, one per game, which is better than any other Palace player. So defensively, he's been... He's been sound, played well in those tough games against Liverpool and City. And I think you saw they missed him against us last weekend. I mean, we absolutely destroyed their midfield, didn't we? I mean, I don't really think they had one um, in the game. So that's what he's sort of up against, though. So if you're playing for a team like Palace that where the midfield is a weak spot, um, it, it makes it hard. Even if you're a good player, you're not the only midfielder in there, are you? So it's it's going to be a real challenge for him, I think, over the coming weeks. But I spoke to Dom Fifield at The Athletic, who's a big Palace fan. I spoke to Matt Woosnam from The Athletic, the Palace uh, correspondent at the game. And they both said, Sambi's doing great. So um, that's good enough for me. 
Good, good. He'll come back a better player, which is really the point, isn't it? Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. We were a bit uh, with the handbrake at the time. Let's go uh, across the channel to France for a bit. Obviously, we've got Nuno Tavares scoring goals from left back for Marseille and Nicola Pepe for Nice. I didn't say scoring goals for Nice, by the way. I don't know how many he's got. Uh, the star the of the lot, though, has he got six? Yep. Yeah, all right. The star of the lot, though, is Flo Balligan, uh, currently third in the top scorers' table. 17 goals for uh, <laughs> so far, sorry, it never gets any easier. I, just, I never feel any less ridiculous trying it. But anyway, um, anyway, he's got 17 goals for that lot so far this season behind Kylian Mbappe, but ahead of Lionel Messi and Neymar. Art, you've recently spoke with him. I've watched a couple of interviews with him. He's uh, enjoying himself out there. Um, <clears throat> the youngest player to reach 17 league goals since 1956. One away from equaling Glenn Hoddle's record for most scored by an Englishman in uh, a league and season. Um, he's having a good time, isn't he? Definitely. I think the one thing we've seen this season is he's just willing to keep that momentum going. Obviously, everyone was maybe a bit surprised with how well he started scoring on his debut away at Marseille and then just kicked on from there. And I think the main thing you get from speaking with him is that he always wants more and that's what you want from any player let alone a striker he did say that obviously he went into the league with his target of 10 goals which he got from Nicolas Pepe and now that's been up to to 20 goals um, which he's not too far away from already so maybe in a couple weeks he's got to reevaluate that too but um, yeah as things go uh, he's just gone from strength to strength really and I think you could see someone who's just really confident at the minute quite I mean uh, Adrian Mikel Arteta described him as a boy with a really clear idea of what he wants to do in his career really ambitious really committed and he's really brave I mean it sounds like he really admires what he's doing and the way he thinks it almost sounds like a like a man after Arteta's own heart <laughs> yeah really. he does doesn't he yeah, yeah. no I, and there's nothing wrong with any any of that is there's this positives and it takes a bit of bravery to go over overseas doesn't it for, for a loan spell a country you know where you don't speak the language and the team that he's joined I pronounce, attempt to pronounce it him or whatever it is they were expected to be near the bottom so it wasn't going to be an easy situation for for a front man to go in and they're and about get, halfway right and get lots of chances yeah no but they're flying they're doing they're doing absolutely brilliantly 17 goals in 24 starts it's just phenomenal and I was looking at the shots shots per game he's firing off I think 3.2 per game in league earn there's only two players ahead of him 
Messi and Mbappe in that department. It's it's mad, really. The goals have been good quality. At left foot, right foot, headers. He's got good movement. This is a loan that's worked out sensationally well for him and for Arsenal because it's sink or swim. After the Middlesbrough one, where he played pretty well but didn't really score too many I goals, three, I think three and 18, yeah. there's a question mark there because it's the championship. You're thinking, well, actually, how good is he? To, to, to sort of instantly erase that with this record in the top level of, of French football shows he's got a lot about him. And um, he'll come back supremely confident, won't he? So, and, and, and possibly, with well, I'm sure in his own head, with the belief that he can usurp Eddie and Ketir and, and be the sort of chief, chief under, understudy to Gabriel Jesus moving forward. I'm guessing that might be what his aim is um, for next year. So, yeah, well played. It helps that he's had Will Steele, the, the, the English guy, uh, take over as manager. A little bit like Ainsley and Sambi have had setbacks with the coaches leaving. He's had a result in that someone that speaks the language kind of gets the banter probably um, has been there to, to put an arm around his shoulder the whole way through. Yeah, and if we ever ever have a uh, ping pong tournament, um, between <laughs> inter-club ping pong tournament, he's the guy, oh, he's really good. I mean, he said he reckons he could do it at the Olympics. Yeah, I think <laughs> um, I'd like to see it. We haven't actually seen proof. No, <laughs> um, okay. I, I'll just say uh, Will Stills actually Belgian. I know he sounds English, mm. but he's yeah. Belgian. Uh, and Has he got no uh, English in him? I thought he was... Uh, I can I double check. English. But he speaks English, doesn't he? That's yeah. the point. They can communicate in their first language, but he is well, in been fact described Belgian. as English. Um, yeah, no, it's. I think it's a mixture actually. English but I'm not oh, yeah, English parents, English parents. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, yes. But yeah, I think that's another thing because obviously he can speak the languages really well, uh, not just kind of to get to survive in each country. And one thing Balogun mentioned was like. He's tough on Balogun the whole time. It's quite constant. It's not like he's tough in moments. He He's just driving him all the time. And I think you can see that in the little snippets we've seen of their kind of relationship, the one where he was mocking his French earlier in the season. Uh, obviously, there's a tone of jest there, but you can tell he's being serious as well, that he does actually need to improve that. And then also, there was a game recently where Balogun missed the penalty against Nice and it ended nil-nil and in the Arsenal documentary you can see Will still mention that to him when they're doing penalties and training and again it's little jokes but these are things that I think just keep keep those things in your mind so you can then improve on them uh they're not really the jokes, though, Art, as no. well. Yeah. I, I, can, I say this as a comedian. There are jokes <laughs> and there are... Yeah, but you're not really joking. Yeah. He's keeping like, him no, grounded, though. This is it's yeah. Because he's... What is he, 21 flow now? Yeah. Um, he's, he's flying. He's one of the top players in Ligue 1. I think what the manager there is doing is keeping his feet on the ground. He's just... He's not allowing him to get a big head. Not, not that he would, but he's not allowing it. And uh, and he's having regular conversations with Thierry Henry as well, which can't mm. hurt. Um, no. <laughs> all in all, doing very well. Uh, as for Nicolas Pepe and Nuno Tavares, uh, here's the French football expert Tom Williams with an update on how they're getting on. 
Nuno Tavares made a phenomenal start uh, to his loan spell at Marseille with three goals in his first four Ligue 1 games. Il va passer encore Nuno Tavares en puissance. La frappe! Oh, la première en Ligue 1 pour Nuno! Looked like a different player to the one that we'd seen in an Arsenal shirt. I recall seeing him shoot quite a lot uh, when he was playing for Arsenal and a lot of those shots didn't go anywhere near uh, their intended target uh, but he's looked like a lethal finisher at, uh, at times with Marseille and particularly in those early weeks of the season he was constantly popping up in, in really good positions in the penalty area and the goals he scored have been left foot shots, right foot shots, long ranges, poachers goals. He has looked at times like a, a really complete uh, attacking wing back. Um, he's added another three goals since that initial flurry. So he's on six for the season, which is really decent total for uh, a wing back. We said that Igor Tudor's uh, preferred system at, uh, at Marseille really suits him. Uh, they always play with a uh, 3 4 3. Wing backs are encouraged to get forwards as much as possible, and uh, I suspect that's probably music to Nuno Tavares's ears. There have been, as there were during his appearances with Arsenal, uh, reservations expressed about his defensive ability, about his concentration levels. Uh, he also got really needless uh, red card in a game away at Montpellier at the start of January, having already scored, kicked out at Arnaud Souquet, the Montpellier right back, uh, in, in, in slightly sly fashion and ended up, ended up getting a three-match ban for that and was also fined by his club. So, yeah, really impressive start. Starts every game, looks a much more exciting, much more dangerous player uh, than, than he ever did when he's playing for Arsenal, but some reservations about certain areas of his game. Pepe qui accélère, face à Gallo Ça fait 3-0 Nicolas Pepe Nicolas Pepe has been a regular starter for Nice. They had a difficult first half of the season. Uh, Lucien Favre came back in as coach, having previously had a quite a successful spell there and things didn't really click. Um, they had a slightly peculiar transfer window and, and Pepe was one of the motley crew of players who uh, who rocked up at, at the Alliance Riviera. But he's been playing, starting regularly. He scored six goals uh, prior to getting injured at the end of January. Quite a few of those were penalties, but we have seen occasional glimpses of uh, the Nicolas Pepe that the French football fans saw, and notably when, when he won the league uh, with, with Lille, darting away from players, finishing uh, with both feet. So flashes of, of brilliance. The unfortunate thing for him was that he got his knee injury shortly after Didier Digard uh, took over as coach. And since Digard came in, Nice had been on this fantastic run. But Pepe made his comeback from injury last weekend against Lorient. He started up front, he played the full 90 minutes. So even though he, he's missed out on some of those early games under Digard, it does look like he's going to get an opportunity over the, the last part of the season. C'est Pepe, Pepe qui arrive la surface de réparation sur son gauche. Pepe et 3-0 pour le gym. Nicolas Pepe, une transition éclair. That was 
Tom Williams, a French football expert, talking about Nicola Pepe and Nuno Tavares, or Tavares. Uh, I'm never quite sure which um, fans of 70s soul music might say Tavares, uh, by the way. <laughs> look at the blank looks on your faces. Absolutely <laughs> fantastic. I know. Anyway, one for the kids. Uh, oh, let's, let's talk about Tavares then. He... Uh, uh, Tom mentioned there about his concentration and I think we're talking about how how good he is as a defender. He's basically not a defender, is he? I mean, he wants to be attacking. Yeah, I, we saw that last season. What um, really kind of struck me, again, as Tom mentioned, was just his freedom to get forward this year with Marseille. And he looks just very comfortable on the ball in some instances. I remember... There was a clip going around where the ball drops over his shoulder and he uses his first touch to nutmeg an opposition player inside the box. And you can always see that he had that flair about him, but it was always just a bit wild, I think, <laughs> at Arsenal. So you just, needed to... Just a bit. Of, <laughs> yeah, just a bit. So you needed to kind of, again, get him concentrated. And I hope, obviously, this loan has gone well for him, has had his kind of wilder moments, but... Um, yeah, in terms of coming back to Arsenal, it's a very different left-back position to the one yeah. he left. So I don't know if he would slot back in or whether it could be similar to a Guendouzi situation where maybe not Marseille is the destination, but he's shown his worth to maybe other European clubs and Arsenal can can move him on. But um as as loans go, it's been an encouraging one because he's been able to show his potential at a, a bigger stage. Yeah, I mean, if nothing, he's up to his value, essentially. Um, Adrian, uh, Nicola Pepe, do you think he's always going to struggle in terms of acceptance with Arsenal fans because of the um, the transfer fee? Because, you know, 72 million quid, and we obviously had high hopes for him, and it didn't really work out. He, obviously a talented player, but not good enough for that sort of money. No, no, definitely overpriced. Um, and maybe not fully suited to, to Arteta either. I think he could he could be an able deputy to Bukayo Saka, but look, you get to that stage in your career where, you know, it's no good for for him, I, th- I don't think, to be on the periphery of Arsenal's team next year. I think I think he'll probably be another one that, that maybe we look to sell. I love his left foot. I think he's always... Uh, been a pretty good finisher actually it's just a case of is he going to get enough shots away or get into those positions often enough yeah he'll score goals I think throughout his career but he'll also have moments of where he'll frustrate you and yeah I, I just think it's probably the way that this Arsenal side has developed and progressed we've accelerated to a different level now and fortunately I don't think that he's he's quite good enough to to get into the team. So, um, no. yeah, I'd expect him to move on. No, uh, Trossard's got his number, by the way. So, um, again, read into that what you will. While we're out uh, um, in Europe, in, we are, <laughs> we're still in Europe. But even though, anyway, <laughs> th- th- let's not go into that. God, uh, the point is, uh, oh, here's a name for you, Arthur Aquanko. Uh, um, started the season in crew, now out in Austria. Um, how's he faring? Yeah, he started. I, mean, I have a particular interest in this, as you know, because my son played football with him when he was a kid. Oh, I didn't he was know absolutely... that. Yeah, no, no, he was in goal. Uh, he made when he was eight years old. He made some of the most astonishing saves I've ever seen a goalkeeper <laughs> make, to the point where all the parents gave him a round of applause. Wow. And we thought this kid is going places. 
And now he's turning out, obviously, he's, he's on the books at Arsenal. Mm-hmm. It's very exciting. I'm very interested. How's he doing? Yeah, his brother's actually on the books at Arsenal as well. Brian, his brother, his younger brother. Right. Um, but yeah, in terms of Arthur, he started really well at Crew, kept nine clean sheets while he was there. And to be fair, it looks like if he was going to stay there for the whole season, he was going to be one of their key players. But Arsenal started to do this thing in January where... Again, they, I think they called it a pivot loan where they've done it with a few players who, again, loans might have been going well. They might not have been going well, but they just wanted to give them a different challenge or maybe a better environment. So it happened with Omar Rekic, who was in uh, Sparta Rotterdam, but wasn't playing as much. So they got him out of there, recorded him, moved him to Wigan. Similar thing with a Conquo, whose loan was going well, but moved him from Crew Alexandra to uh, Sturm Graz, where he's actually hit the ground running on his debut. I think they had a penalty shootout in the OFB Cup, so the Austrian Cup, and he made two saves to get them through to the semi-final, which is being played in April. And then in the league, he's been starting regularly as well, where they're now in their kind of, they're a league where they do the playoff kind of system when it comes to the end of the season. Yeah. And um, they finished second in the regular season. So they're in a good kind of position going into that. And uh, he's also kept three clean sheets in six league games there. So he's had a really kind of good season as a whole at two different clubs, which I think is encouraging for him because if we remember maybe 18 months ago, he was the goalkeeper that was basically taken to preseason in Scotland as the third choice. Um, he did look a bit nervy there against Hibernian, but I think the fact that he's actually got experience in men's football, not just in England, but in Europe as well, should um, hold him in good stead moving forward. It should. We we do have actually five goalkeepers on the books because uh, Alex <laughs> Runnison is out on loan in Turkey, although can't see him ever getting a, nailing down a first-team place at the Arsenal. In the EFL, Charlie uh, Patino, Adrian... Working with Mick McCarthy, Mick McCarthy um, likes him. He likes what he's done. He said, I've loved working with him for the last few days. He's going to be a very good player. Well, he is a very good player, isn't he? He's te- technically excellent. He's only 19. We know that he's he's creative. He's got talent. He can score goals. But yeah, I'm surprised Arsenal didn't pivot this loan. I've got to be honest. Um, because Blackpool averaged the lowest amount of possession in the championship. 40.6%. They make, you know, they don't make that many short passes. And this is a guy that I think needs to be in a team that's knocking it through the lines, getting him on the ball to make things happen. If, for example, he was on loan at Burnley, who play that way, I think he would be, we'd probably be talking about a player that's having an absolute blinder. But, but stick him in this environment where it's a bit more rough and tumble at Blackpool in the relegation battle. You're not going to get the best out of him, in my opinion. It will do him good. It will toughen him up in the long term. But I, I just I don't don't think he's going to stand out necessarily in a Mick McCarthy side that's fighting for relegation because it's a different type of game down there at the bottom of the championship. So I feel a bit sorry for him. Um, but, but yeah, I hope his next loan move is to a team that are possession heavy. And then we'll get a real fair look at what he's what he's all about. Uh, I feel like the fan base are, are, are 
placing quite a lot of their hopes <laughs> in him. We've talked about this on the pod before, but I, I was at the uh, the League Cup game. Uh, was it earlier? Was it earlier this season or last, last season? season yeah. Wasn't it last season when we played Sunderland and he came on and he scored? And there was a general, there was a really genuine air of excitement when he came on. I mean, as Adrian said, maybe he's not playing in quite the right team, but it will toughen him up, won't it? Playing in a scrap uh, at the bottom of the Championship. Yeah, I think the main thing for him going into this season and with Blackpool was showing the different side to his game. Everyone knows what he can do with the ball at his feet. He's shown that for years at um, youth level. But when you watch him in those games, even in the under-23s, what it was last year, you would see him making quite strong tackles. But that doesn't make the highlight clips on YouTube. So I think some people have been surprised that he's been willing to engage the more scrappy side of uh, championship football which you have to do to stay in the team at that level and just watching him play it was against Southampton in the FA Cup so Premier League opposition obviously and there was a moment Mick McCarthy highlighted where he lost the ball in midfield but then tracked all the way back to the box to win it back and now is the moment that kind of stuck with Mick McCarthy on the day and even so I, I get Adrian's point about them not being possession-based team but I think when you're looking at midfielders and how they fit in at Arsenal that left eight position is probably the one that touches the ball the least where a lot more of the the demands are about what you do off the ball and arriving into areas at specific times so if you look at his performance against Southampton a lot of I guess the positives from that was the positions he was arriving in off the ball, and that's where his goal came from. He had a, a really decent chance in the first half as well because of that. So I think those are things where, again, it's quite difficult to assess loans for young players especially. But if you're looking at transferable skills, that might be one that's beneficial for him. Yeah. Uh, two more we'll do briefly. Uh, Adrian, I know you're keen to talk about Austin Trusty. Um, uh, <laughs> Abby has said here on the notes uh, I only want to do him so we can say trusty the process <laughs> she is the queen of puns today uh, thank you um, um, he's on loan at Birmingham at the moment Adrian yeah. uh, a regular in the starting 11 as well how's he doing? very well uh, very very well by the way he loves he loves that pun he, he tweeted after scoring the winner against Swansea a tweet thanking the fans with the hashtag trusted the process so he's fully on board he's he? uh, yeah he's uh, do you know what i i don't care but okay fair <laughs> enough i mean i'm glad that he loves it he's, but, uh, yeah good now Go he's he, i've got a few birmingham city supporting friends and they think he's player of the season at st andrews he scored four goals so he's a little bit like gabriel when he goes up for a corner he's he, he's got that threat um he's aggressive wins a lot of duels Loves a tackle, absolutely loves a tackle. Maybe the Premier League refs would wouldn't be quite as lenient. Um, he's a left left sided centre back, so that yeah. there's a, a premium on them. But yeah, I like him. He plays with personality. Ian Danter at Talksport, colleague, I worked with him the other night. Massive Birmingham fan. He says, oh, he says, I don't think we'll keep him. Like we want to keep him, but I don't think we we, we stand a chance. I think someone in the Premier League will want to take him next season. That's how highly regarded. Uh, he is in dance eyes. So, so yeah, I, I, I don't quite think he's got the maybe the pace or the 
or the or the game to shine at Arsenal or to be a starter for us. But he will have a good career at a very good level, Austin Trusty. And this this loan couldn't have gone much better. Great. And how about Brooke Norton Cuffey? Adrian, he's on loan at Coventry, uh, spent the first half of the season at Rotherham. How's he getting on? He did excellently at Rotherham, but uh, at Coventry, he's got stiffer competition, basically. Uh, Dabo is a good player, and uh, so as a consequence, he's sort of in and out of the team. Yeah, uh, there are uh, plenty of other loanees out and about plying their trade in the Football League, uh, but um, <laughs> there's a game uh, Saturday week. <laughs> we haven't got time to talk about them all. Uh, suffice to say, um, we'll uh, we'll cover them when they pop up from time to time. Uh, this is Handbrake Off, uh, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by The Athletic. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. We were a bit uh, with the handbrake at time. Ian Stone, Adrian Clark, and Art de Roche here on Handbrake Off. Uh, by the way, me, Adrian, and Amy Lawrence uh, will be doing a podcast uh, next Monday. And we'd like some questions from you guys if you want to. Um, Put some questions out on social media. Just use the hashtag handbrakeoff and we'll get to answering them, basically. <laughs> That's not really English. But anyway, you know what I mean. We will get to answering them next Monday. Oh, Bayern Munich 1, Arsenal nil. How? This is in the Women's Champions League quarterfinal first leg. Um, how did Arsenal lose this game? I watched most of the game. Two cleared off the line. I guess the headline's the lack of uh, goal line technology, though, because there was one over the line, wasn't there? It was probably one of the strangest games I've <laughs> ever watched because there was so much going on. And yeah, as you say, two off the line. I personally wasn't sure if they were over. Um, uh, but as you say, I thought probably not. But yeah, but without the technology, you'll never know. Um, no. And I think that's the point that uh, Jonas Ilevar was making after the game. But in terms of the performance itself, I felt like Arsenal was quite similar to the Conti Cup final where the first five minutes were a bit tricky, but then they were able to manage themselves back into the game quite well. And from there on, they were able to actually impose themselves really nicely and be brave. Um, the only thing was luck wasn't really on their side on the day no. in terms of those little inches that you need to go your way. Um, but I feel like going into... This weekend against Tottenham, who they're playing away, and then the second leg against Bayern next week on Wednesday at the Emirates, I think they'll have a good chance. The big thing is just carrying that momentum through the Tottenham game 
and then into next week because they showed that they have enough to compete with Bayern over 90 minutes, even without Beth Mead and Vivian Miedema. It's just about taking their opportunities because they they ended that match with 25 shots, <laughs> which... Um, yeah, but that, that oh, that's the point though, isn't it? We've lost two of the best strikers in Europe. Yeah, it is, but I, I think... 25 shots what, and not taking their opportunities. Those are the those are the women who take the opportunities. The, I know, but the thing is, they're not there, so you have to perform without no. them. That's yeah, the, and they, they showed that they can do that against Chelsea. They competed really well in Germany, so I think it's just about getting into those positions again and doing more of the same. I think Caitlin Ford had a really good game. Obviously, it was just her shots were saved and blocked most of the time. So, yeah, I think there's a reason to be encouraged going into the I second leg. I would say. I did. There was a moment I nipped out the room and I came back in and one of the Bayern Munich players went crashing <laughs> through one of our girls. And I thought, that's got to be Georgia Stanway. That absolutely <laughs> has to be. It was really funny. I thought, oh, yeah, of course it was. Next leg uh, is at the Emirates on Wednesday. 12 quid, by the way. 12 quid. They play Tottenham at Brisbane Road Saturday beforehand and then £12 at the Emirates. Go and support uh, Arsenal women's second leg of the Champions League quarterfinal against Bayern Munich. Good ball across, and it's there from Mesut Ozil. The German gets his fourth of the season back in the team, packed in for the night. And Ozil guides the ball home with effortless and sensational ease. And just before the break, Arsenal are back on level terms. Here's Lacazette back to Ozil. Oh, that's just a sensational goal from Arsenal. Total football. Mesmeric stuff and Emirates Stadium goes absolutely ballistic. That goal oozed class from the very first offing. That was a delight to behold. Mesut Ozil retired this week from football, only 34 years old. I mean, he didn't leave on the best of terms, Adrian, with the Arsenal. Went off to Fenerbahce and it didn't really work for him there. What are your feelings about Meza? I mean, I've seen a few of the uh, highlights reel. The Leicester performance, the goal against Luda Goretz, won cups with us. Was it a success, his move to Arsenal or, or no? Yeah, no, it was a success. Yeah, definitely. Just was... in terms of trophies won? Yeah, yeah I mean, partly, but, but also... He was a sensational player to watch. I think one of the one of my favourite Arsenal players to watch in the flesh, actually. Just the, the sort of player that gets you, it gets you to make funny noises. You know, it, it'll make you purr or you go, oh, stop it. Like, he's just one of those yes. players yes. <laughs> that would, whether it's a drop of the shoulder and nutmegs, a pass no one saw. He just had the, the talent and the vision to execute moments that very few players on the planet have been able to do he treated the ball with absolute care and and I, I loved watching him in the main yeah look in the big away games he didn't deliver for a player that you know a world-class talent like him he didn't he didn't deliver often enough he did get knocked off the ball by aggressive opponents but when he was on it he was top class between the lines. Powerful runner. Really powerful on those counter-attacks. Used to create great overloads in the wide areas. The eye for the pass was sensational. So, yeah, look, I, th- I, th- I loved watching him. He was the, 
at, at one point, you know, he was the player that, that we all, or not all of us, but he was the one player that really got you going. I would love to have seen him in this team, actually. Probably didn't, didn't work quite hard enough out of, the, no. out of possession. But, but he, what he didn't have, because he mainly worked with Giroud, and Giroud didn't really run in behind. If he'd have had a Jesus and Martinelli, even Saka, as a regular to play with, I think those through balls would have created many assists. Well, he loved working with Ronaldo, didn't he, at um, at uh, Real Madrid? And Ronaldo, by the way, loved working with him as well and was gutted uh, when he left. A lot of the comments, Michael Cox did a piece uh, about Mesut Ozil. A lot of the comments are said that he was a man almost out of time, that football changed considerably while during his career and and one of the things that happened was that pressing became a thing and he just wasn't that sort of guy and uh, uh and so he was a little bit unfortunate in that way yeah i think like adrian said even during his last kind of playing days at arsenal so it would have been the 2019 20 season there was moments there were moments sorry where he would make you squeal. Liverpool away. <laughs> I tell you with your funny noises. No, honestly, honestly. It, <laughs> I remember Liverpool away when he, yeah. um, in the first half, he actually won the ball back <laughs> in, the, in the opposition half. And then that led to a goal, Martin, one of Martinelli's goals. And then also his back heeled assist for Maitland-Niles in the second half. Then there was a game against Chelsea. I remember, I think that was Arteta's first home game in charge that December and he was he was ridiculous in the first half I think that was probably one of the best performances I've seen from him and it wasn't even during his best period at the club and also against Manchester United on New Year's Day a few a few days after that he was unplayable and I think yeah he was just a player who normally uh, when you're watching games I think you always can almost predict what the next pass what the next thing is going to be that happens in front of you but with him he so frequently did the opposite and it always worked <laughs> uh, or almost always worked so yeah it is an interesting kind of topic that he was someone who if you were to just put him in a jar and say you want a perfect player in a lot of time periods he would be that guy but as he got older I think obviously as you said the demands kind of switch and for him I think it was just a bit unlucky as well that I guess the culture shift was so drastic from Wenger to Emery because you saw I guess just the switch in in styles really quickly almost it was almost an overnight thing which happened maybe too quickly for him but yeah overall someone I loved to watch someone I was privileged to watch um, and made you feel things <laughs> when when you watched football so uh yeah pleasure to to see him play <laughs> <laughs> okay yeah yeah he did absolutely make you feel things uh won a world cup a la liga four fa cups five german player of the year uh, and he was arsenal player of the year in uh 2015 let's have a song to end uh adrian what have you got for you? <laughs> I got two, but but, but yeah, I got two. You can take your pick. The, the the first one is in homage to the bounce shot, which I think was very much Mesut Ozil's 
trademark. I, I enjoyed commentating on a lot of those goals where he'd just knock it into the ground and bounce over the keeper. So like Calvin Harris song uh, with Killies bounce. But but the the one song that immediately came to my mind when thinking about Meza Erzul is smoothness. Just so smooth, so elegant. Um, so Sade for me, Sade smooth operator. That's what Meza Erzul was. Uh, yeah, it's a tune. Oh, what have you got? My one. There's no way I would have heard of this. No, it? yeah, it's dedicated to you. This one. Oh, right, no, because you're you're educating me, by the way. Because <laughs> yeah. the other week we were talking about, I can't remember who who it was now. Playboy Carti. <laughs> Playboy Carti, and I and I suddenly started saying how I quite like it. Yeah, and I and I sense a certain mocking tone no. on your part. <laughs> but you know what? It's okay. I, I was, what is it this week? It, it's the song that you actually liked. It was Shooter. Um, oh, I like that song. It's a true. I really yeah. do. It's a tune. That one. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. So, so yeah, that's my song this week. I, I've been waiting until uh, I was back on the pod so I could choose it just for you. <laughs> Thanks, Al. I really appreciate that. Um, I I was looking. I I wanted to see if there was any. Uh, German Turkish sort of combinations. There is a German Turkish sort of rap thing going on. Um, this Turkish community in Germany, quite a large Turkish community, but there was nothing I particularly liked. So I just went for a, a tune by a German. I was going to say band, but they're not really a band. It's Kraftwerk. Um, it's, it's basically the the, uh, the start of electronic music, and uh, Autobahn is the uh, the one that you would all know. you but some of you would know uh, anyway that's for Mesut uh, thanks for the good memories and thanks to you for listening uh, thanks to Adrian thank you to uh, Art and thanks to Abby our producer and um, yeah we're like I say we're doing a um, little Q&A uh, on Monday any questions you have uh, send them in uh, hashtag handbrake off and we'll get to them on Monday afternoon. And um, enjoy the weekend. See you soon. Ta-ra. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.